So go ahead and uh, open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. I do not have a silly PowerPoint this morning because I was not in the mood to deal with this half-working contraption up here. And really that thing insults my intelligence because I'm an IT guy and I sit there and fight with the thing. Is the paper light? Feel free to dismiss yourself. Well, you don't go to school, so I'm not surprised. I'm not going tomorrow. I'm shocked. What am I supposed to be surprised? Hey, I'm going home. What? What's that? Yeah, chapter five. All right, so we are covering the spiritual gift of pastor of pastor so I was you know going through this and I'm looking it over and I'm like I struggled with how how do I teach this to you guys at at your age level and I'm not saying that in a demeaning way it's just that when you'll see that we start getting into the qualifications and characteristics that there you're this is a spiritual gift that none of you are really ready for so you might say, okay, well, why teach on it then? Well, we'll teach on it because you need to become familiar with, with the characteristics. You need to be familiar with what the Bible says about the office, what the Bible says about the position, and what to look for going forward. Because some of you in this room, maybe men, and we'll get into that too, because that's controversial in our wonderful new age culture that we're in, are going to possibly be called to being pastors. Okay? Some of you girls in here may wind up being pastor's wives. So are you going to know what to look for? And this comes back to the same thing of looking for what character qualities in a man or woman of God. And we teach on that in here too. So if you've been around for that... Do you see how a lot of these lessons that we go through blend together and how they're practical and they apply to what you should be looking for as you guys are finishing out your final years of school and you're stepping into adulthood? Does it all make sense when you start breaking it down and looking at it? Well, this lesson fits right into that cog of what you need to be looking for in other people and understanding what the Bible says about this position. So that's really where I kind of landed on, you know, how am I going to teach this lesson with you guys? And this this gift, to say the least, it's, it's unique. And there's a lot of, uh, from what I've seen, there's, there's a supernatural extra dose of the other gifts with a person that may very well be being called to being a pastor and being in this position. You know, they're usually uniquely uh, gifted in word of knowledge. Their, their knowledge about the Bible, and they're able to recall verses. And like I said, Corey's excellent at that. I love sitting here listening to him, and just somebody will say something random, and bam, he can pull verses out that automatically apply, I mean, out of nowhere. 
I would love to get to that point, but that's I I I I uh, I saw myself short on that, and it would take a lot more work and a lot more dedication, and maybe putting a lot of things out <laughs> that are distracting to me. And I don't know if I'm supposed to go give those up yet or not. But that's that's I think that's a that's a supernatural gift that a pastor needs to have. I think that's you know pretty crucial word of wisdom. Um, the faith factor that's got to be huge. I mean, when you're sitting there stepping out and saying, "Okay, I'm going to walk away from my career, my job, because I know God's laid this on my heart," you're taking a gigantic step of faith because now you're providing. That's you're stepping out and saying, "Okay, God, you're going to provide for my income for this for my family, and I'm going to serve." The people that you put before me—it's a—I don't know however however else to put it—but I mean, you're you're jumping off into the diving board. You don't know if there's water in the bottom of the pool or not. I'll rephrase that. Actually, you should. You should be confident in the fact if you know that you're being called, you know that there's water in the bottom of that pool when you jump off, and if you have a blindfold on. Does that make sense? You should know that. Is it freaky? Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. You know, I mean, Tom, Pastor Tom's talked about how he walked away from an excellent job. He had an excellent, very well-paying job to come do this and put us, put up with us knuckleheads and some of the stuff we do. It's a lot. We're going to get into that too. So, this gift is unique, and it has to have a little bit. Of, it has to have to an extra element of the other spiritual gifts that go along with it. And if this, if this calls put on the heart of the servant, you know. Are they humble? Are they receptive? You have to be humble-hearted to be in this position. That's a necessity um, because it's very e- very easy to let the ego get blown out when you're in a position as such, whether you're an associate pastor, whether you're a senior pastor, and you're in charge of a church. Um, and we'll cover a little bit of that too. There, I got an example that I'll cite. Some of these pastors I've listened to, and I hear, you know, I was listening to some on the radio a while back, and some of the things they said that they're doing in their church, and I'm just going, that's not right. That's not right, and you're the, you're the lead pastor of this church. But we'll talk about that here in a little bit. So, one of the biggest aspects of the position of pastor, are they burdened for people? And really, for the overall work of the ministry. You have to have a burden for people. You have to have a burden for their eternity. You have to have a burden for their well-being. You have to be empathetic. You have to understand some of the situation. Lost or saved, people are going to step in it. I don't think there's any question that our, and I don't know of it, so I don't know of any inside information. There's meetings and counseling sessions that happen outside of these walls all the time with our pastors. And it might have very well have to do with infidelities. It's one, it's one marital partner not being faithful to the other one. How do you reconcile that relationship? How does you as a pastor who's been entrusted with this, with two people in your church that are dealing with something like that? It's huge. And it happens. It's gonna, I don't care. You become a senior pastor or pastor of some church, it's going to happen. People are sinners, and we suck at the end of the day. Our hearts are desperately wicked, and who should know them? I'm not saying that that's what's going to happen with any of you in here, okay? So I'm not sitting here being weird about that, but I'm saying if you're in that if you're in that position, that's something you're going to deal with. You need divine wisdom. You've got to have God's wisdom in dealing with those because every situation is going to be unique, okay? 
That's just one example. And there's 5,000 other examples. I'm sure our pastors, if, if they had the liberty, if it, it didn't mean violating privacy of people and confidentiality, they could probably sit, sit here and tell us stories from sun up to sundown for a week of the things that they've had to deal with. Sad. But it's the job. And the question is, are any of you going to wind up in that position? You've got to be looking for it now. Okay? So Ephesians 4.11 says, and I didn't have you guys turn there because it's just one verse. It says that this position is not for the faint of heart. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. So on your sheet, it's the supernatural ability to oversee, care for, feed, and edify God's flock with ease. With ease. But it's not an easy job. So how does that make sense? It's just the fact that a pastor has the mentality to be able to bulldoze through it. They've been given a supernatural ability to be able to bulldoze through problems and situations and ultimately be able to glorify God in the position that they're in. This is not a position at all for the faint of heart. I know I said it, but man, it is, it's, it's legit. So a pa- so pastor, it's a shepherd, one who cares for a flock or herd, leading to safe pasture, causing to eat, setting to graze peacefully. Do you want to be able to walk into a church that you're at peace at? I do. I want to know where I'm walking into for a church that I'm hearing that I'm hearing God's truth, that I'm hearing sound doctrine. I want to be able to have a peace when I walk in there knowing that the guy that God's put in charge of that place is doing exactly what he's supposed to be doing, and he takes that position seriously. Humble-hearted. Now, Tom's his own man. He's a very, he's a very direct individual. You get to know him. Um, but he's, he, he grinds. That guy's probably one of the hardest working people I know. There's no doubt about it. I mean, he grinds on it. You got to work hard at this position. This is not a cake position. This is not a position where you always delegate off your responsibilities to other people. That is not part of it. You are as much of a servant as you are a leader in it. You have to be able to serve in order to be able to lead as a pastor. It's a necessity. First Peter 5. One through four, the elders of the church which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither being as Lord lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock, and when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. That is a crown for a pastor. And if you look at those qualities, what is required of that, it is not for filthy lucre. And there are no shortage of men behind pulpits and women who are in it for filthy lucre. It's sick. Yep. Kenneth Copeland in his private jet. That I don't even, I'm not going to waste time on, on these people that you see on TV. It's sad. John 10, 11 through 14. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. 
we as husbands are to love our wives as Christ gave his life for the church. If you go through Ephesians 5. So this, this position, he's putting it out there for you guys. He puts it out there for us. Are you going to put it out on the line if you're ever in charge of a church? The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is an hireling. He doesn't care and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. That is the testimony that you want to have as a pastor and not a hireling. And we are, where we are at in this country is we have these Christian call, Christian colleges who churn out men who, I'm going to get it's It's a goal. It's a goal to be a pastor. It's a career path. This is not a career path. Either God's laid it on your heart or He hasn't to be in this position. You don't go to school to get a four-year degree to say, okay, stick me in a church somewhere. And then when the going gets tough and they start dealing with all the issues that we rotten saved sinners still bring to the table, what do they do? What do these verses say? They bolt. They leave the sheep for the wolves. That is not the testimony that a pastor is supposed to have. It's not a it's not a testimony that any of us should have, even as leaders. You know, you go, when the going gets tough, you bail out. You're always going to have tough times in life. I don't care if you're a pastor or not. How are you going to deal with them? Are you going to plow through it? Or are you going to Are you going to jump out of the plane and pull a chute, provided you have a chute on? And there's many pastors that do it. They bail out on churches when they're at their low. It's pathetic. It's sad. So, points B and C, we're going to skip over those. They were covered. You can cover them on your own time. But I'll say that it goes without saying for letter C that if you are going to pastor or preach, you must be apt to teach. Okay? Not only preaching God's Word, but you've got to teach it. In order to teach it, you've got to learn. So aside from being a servant, you've got to be a learner as well. If you've got a guy that's coming in, i got it figured out. And there's plenty of these hirelings, these hireling mindsets. That's what they got. Don't tell me nothing. I got, I'm your pastor. Gotcha. Don't, don't bother me with that. And I've been around that mindset. Um, several years ago, actually a number of years ago now, um, shortly after getting saved, and I was around some guys that went to a more... Um, uh, what do I call it? Tell me out here, you guys in the back. Legalistic. Legalistic church. And um, I went to a men's conference with them. A men's conference is cool. I've never heard Bible preaching. Like, I saved, and I was going to Akron Baptist Temple, but our preacher at the time, he liked to preach out of the Akron Beacon Journal. And I ended up going to this conference, and these people preached out of the Bible, these pastors that were at this conference. And I was like, man, I never heard that before. But something never sat right with me because they would get on their soapboxes with certain things, and I, and I couldn't pin it down because I was newly saved. But it was a lot of legalistic stuff. It was a lot of preference stuff. And I got to try, I was trying to talk with one of the pastors that night. We were in our you know, area where we were sleeping at. We were like sleeping in a cafeteria or something. We had to have sleeping bags. We didn't get hotels or anything like that. Um, I was trying to talk with the pastor of this church because I was considering it at the time, you know, going there and possibly us being there. But, again, I couldn't land the plane with it. 
Well, that guy, he didn't have the time of day for me. And I wanted I was talking about discipleship, and I was talking about how I was being discipled by my brother-in-law and the impact that it had. He wanted nothing to do with it. He didn't want me. He let me know I wasn't part of the pastor's club. And you just see your little rear end over there with your sleeping bag and leave us, leave us pastors alone. Okay? Don't need to hear about your discipleship. That church is no more. I don't even know what happened to that guy. Um, all the guys that I knew from that church, one of them got in trouble legally for underage things. Um, another one, he was a pastor of a church. He's no longer. Um, I'm not 100% sure what happened there. Um, the other one got a very messy divorce. And those are the three that I was the closest with, if I, if I counted three. It's sad. You got to take this, this. This position is no joke. Okay? You can go to 1 Timothy 4. So how do you know if you have this gift? What stands out? So current church so first Timothy So current church leadership. Oop, I skipped one. Let me back up a little bit here. So we covered you know being apt to teach. We covered that, you know, you you're not going to be a good preacher if you're not going to be a good learner and being able to teach. So pastors are ordained leaders, official or approved, chosen to take oversight of a congregation. Oversight of a congregation. They are responsible for that. A simple way to put this is you are in the people business and an overseer of their spiritual well-being and many other cases of their overall well-being depending on their situations. You're to be empathetic, a counselor, a resolution seeker, and oftentimes, just a listener. Just listen. Listen to people. Don't always, you don't always have to have an answer right there. Yeah. And us guys, us fellows, we're guilty of that. We always want to fix stuff, and we want to fix it now. I like having calm waters. Well, sometimes you got to go. If you're on a ship, if you're a maritime marine, sometimes you have to battle through a storm for a couple days. And that's a rotten time on a ship. Have I ever been there? No. Watch YouTube videos? Yes. I'm YouTube certified in maritime exploration. But I would not want to be on a ship for a couple days weathering one of those storms. I don't know if I would get seasick or not. But sometimes you just need to listen. And sometimes you just need to help people get through their storm in their own certain way and just be there as a pastor. Be there as a friend. One way, shape, or form. See what I'm saying? You'll get busy in this position. You're going to get stressed in this position. But people come to you because they, they want a slice of your time. Don't put them off. Don't put them off. Even though, and that happens, I mean, I'm not saying I'm a pastor because I'm not, but people, I'm constantly busy. I'm all the time busy. But if my phone rings or I get a text, 90% of the time I drop what I'm doing. I answered your call at work. I had somebody I had somebody standing behind me and I took your call. 
I don't remember if I was tired of talking with him or not. I may have been. Because the, the one guy likes to come over to my desk and talk a lot. <laughs> I've come to find out. I actually want to invite him to church. I, I want to see if he wants to come. He's, he's an interesting fella. But, uh, but I, I'll answer your calls. I want to take your calls. You know, you have to, they want to, people want a slice of your time. You got to, you got to have the mindset to do that. So do people see this in you? Do we see it in any of you yet? <laughs> you need it, you need, you need some water. You okay? Okay. Let's make sure. Um, it's too early to tell. You guys are, it's this, we're going to get into the verse that talks about not being a novice. Okay? You're not to be a novice. You guys are novices in this age in life. <laughs> Goof. I thought you were going to answer, bro. <clears throat> so, current church leadership, a.k.a. the presbytery, are the ones to see and approve those who have this gift. Okay, so again, going back to what we've talked about, if we see these things, we see certain growths in you, we want to help develop you, we want to encourage you, we want to see you continue your spiritual growth in this matter. And it's it's going to be between you and the Lord if this call is put on your heart or not. So 1 Timothy 4.14, Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy, with the laying on of hands of the presbytery. Okay? So this prophetic aspect, again, it's not some weird aspect. The prophetic aspect is the seeing aspect of all this. Do certain people see your potential of being a pastor? Is there, is there something about somebody that just sticks out to them? And some people are blatant about it. And they'll say, say man, I could see you being a pastor. I listen to you talking. You'd be a pastor. But, you know, that's... So, and that's... You start hearing those kinds of things, and it can blow your head up. And if it does blow your head up, you gotta, you better humble yourself out real quick. Especially if you're not even sniffing on that. It's We're going to get into this too. He talks about having the desire for the office, having the desire for that. So when you have people that start talking and saying to you, man, I could see you being a pastor. Oh, really? Well, you better check yourself out real quick. And be like, eh, I don't know. I don't know about that. But if it starts to become a prayer, if it gets to a point in your life where you're like, you know what? I don't really see myself doing anything else. And if you feel like you got a heart, you know, if your heart is for people, then you really got to start praying about it. Don't know if any of you are in that spot or not here, but like I said, it's 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 a time. Time proves that out, and these verses talk about how church leadership needs to see. They need to start seeing that gift coming out of you. You need to start exhibiting that on the outward appearance. Okay? So when you're saying prophesied of, these are those seen abilities. If you'll be able to, people will be able to see it. Proverbs 25, 14 Whoso boasteth himself of a false gift is like clouds and wind without rain. Again, there's, there's many people that are in this position that, that boast themselves up. They, they're, they're, in a, they're in a pastoral position and they have no business being in it. And a lot of it stems from a lot of churches 
don't have the proper leadership structure. You've, got, you've only got the offices of a bishop or pastor and the office of deacon. Not committees, not these, uh, what else do they have? Like this, the, what is it, the Southern Baptist Convention, or is it? They got, they got that, and then like there, there's these network churches, and they're all tied together. It's like a homeowners association for churches, and there's like these leadership authorities and these boards that are that oversee these churches. It's garbage. That's why we are the way we are. We're an independent local church because that's exactly what the Bible says. We're supposed to be self-governing and autonomous. We don't have a board, and we're not connected to any kind of, whatever you want to call it, network of churches throughout the country who have some sort of say in how we ought to run our church. And if you're my neighbor, he's a Methodist pastor, and if you're not familiar with it, the Methodists had a gigantic division globally, but it had to do with all the gender stuff that's going on, transgenderism. And again, these they have allowed women to be pastors in their churches, and we're going to get into that here shortly. A lot of that stuff is stemmed from that. Why? Because they aren't looking at this as their final authority. They're not trusting God and His Word as their final authority. And it's a controversial thing to say, but this book is what rules. And we're going to get into that here in a second. <clears throat> 2 Timothy 1, 6-8, and this is from Paul, who was getting into biblical examples. Pastors are to be ordained in every city, as were Timothy and Titus. First, 2 Timothy 1, 6-8, you don't have to go there. This is from Paul, who was the apostle of the Gentiles. This is Timothy, who is a pastor in Ephesus. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. But what's the rest of it? 7 and 8, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear. You can't have a spirit of fear in this position, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. You, they've got a, These pastors that are not doing that, they're not trusting the power of what's here. You have to be able to do that. And when we go through JBI, I was looking through some of my JBI notes, it talks about... God's power. You've got to have reliance upon that. And again, it goes back to that element of faith. You're stepping out in this position because you're trusting in the power of God. You've got to. The gift of pastors taxing, but it's necessary. We have to have it. It's an ordained office in this book. Okay? is when and is now, and these verses are the encouragement needed for these pastors to be a pastor and the baseline focus that needs to be kept. It's that humility, it's that power, not having a spirit of fear, but of love. You've got to be able to love people. Have fun, be safe. Titus 1.5, For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, or ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. This is the responsibility of the local church, to train up, ordain, and send out. When you don't have this goofy bureaucracy of, of uh, boards and board leaders and directors and all that nonsense, we got the freedom to do exactly what this book tells us. We train up and we send out. Why? 
because the souls of men are on the line. People need saved, people need discipled, churches need started. It's pretty simple. And I'm glad that this was shown to me. And this was shown to me through discipleship. That's exactly what God's pattern is. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> to me, it was like, man, you see that? That takes a lot of the garbage right out of the way. And if you see that garbage in other places, you're like, yeah, it's probably not the church for me. Think about it. It's simple. It's supposed to be simple. God set it up simple. But the world and its system and all of its wisdom has corrupted that. So Jesus told Peter that he would be gifted as a pastor. And that's in John 21, 15 through 17. It's important to know Peter was a disciple and apostle of the Jews. Summarizing the verses in John, this is where Jesus asks him if he loves him three times. The emphasis is in verse 17. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jodas, thou lovest me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Jesus isn't asking him. He asked him if he loves him. He's telling him. Those sheep are the Jewish people predominantly at that time. Just feed my sheep. He didn't, it wasn't a question. He wasn't asking him. You think about everything Peter had been through. He'd been put through the ringer. And it was soon after that that Christ ascended. And now they were off to start the church. Transitioning through Acts. John 21, 17, He saith unto him the third time... Oh, I read that. Sorry, I'm going to move my notes up. Pastors are supernaturally gifted with caring qualities... Caring qualities, they need, to ex they need to exhibit those, exhort them, but they must have certain character qualities. And this is where we're going to get into, the, get into things here. So, 1 Timothy, you guys, are you guys there? Where do I have you go? Go to 1 Timothy 3, if you're not there. Where do I have you guys go last, Peter? Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 3. This is a very true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous. One that ruleth well his own house. He needs to have his own house in order. That's a necessity having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice. And this is what kind of applies to you guys. You're not quite there yet. Again, they're talking in these verses. You're talking about somebody who already has a home. They have children. They're married. Okay? And these are some of the aspects they're talking about. Moreover, not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. And it can happen. So these verses are the platform to what the qualifications are. And, and if you as young men start achieving these as you're living out your lives, as you're walking with the Lord, 
very, he very well may start poking your heart about this position. You might start having the desire for this position. And since these verses lay out that it's a position for a man, there are two things here for you girls. Well, how dare you say, I can do anything. This culture of women can do anything a man can. You want to know something? This is what this book says. It's not your responsibility. It's not. Well, why? I want to be able to do it. Take a break. Take a break. God says it's not your responsibility. You don't have to deal with it. It's not supposed to be for you to deal with. It's for the man. It's his. It's a man's responsibility. He's the one who's supposed to shoulder the burden. He's the one who's supposed to take the lead on it. He's the one that's supposed to take. Why? Why is that the case? Because the church is the picture of us. It's the picture of the bride, and it's a picture of the groom. And the husbandman is to be in the charge of that. And the wives are supposed to be in subjection. It's all, it all filters back from the marriage picture that God has put together since the book of Genesis. It all, it all comes together with that. You say, well, that's sexist. It's not sexist. It's just not your responsibility. You've got other responsibilities that you have as, as women. Your responsibility might be to be a pastor's wife. And one of the biggest one of the biggest things that a pastor needs is a godly woman by his side. It's a necessity because in the trials and the turmoils of walking home with the fact that this job never leaves you. You can walk out of the office at 5 p.m. Whatever issues you're still dealing with, they're all coming home with you. You don't just hang it up. You don't shut the keys off to the vehicle you're driving and walk away from it. And be like, no big deal. I know it'll start in the morning. It follows you. And you got to have a help meet that's going to be there for you. Because oftentimes our wives are the voice of reason. And sometimes when you're just laying things out there, they'll have wisdom, God divine wisdom, and they'll say some of the simplest things. And you just go, wow. Okay, that helps me out with that. It's a necessity. That's your responsibility. That's where you come in. That's gold. Enjoy that. You don't have to be the... You're not supposed... God says that you are not supposed to take on the burden of this position. He doesn't want you there. He wants you there to support the people that are supposed to do that. Does that make sense? Is that sexist? I don't think it's sexist. You read this book and say, hey, it's not your responsibility. Okay, I'm fine with that. I can find something else to do. Pastors are gifted to keep an eye out, protect, guide, and care for God's flock. They can easily overlook and neglect their own family. It's easy to do. There's a lot that encompasses this position. Regardless if you're the overseer of a flock of 30 or 300 or 3,000. I couldn't imagine being in charge of a church of 3,000 people. I really don't think the churches were ever supposed to get that big. First Samuel 2, 11 through 12, And Elkanah went to Ramah to his house, and the child did minister unto the Lord before Eli the priest. Now the sons of Eli were sons of Belial. They knew not the Lord. 
Why? Eli was a priest. He was a priest at that time over the Jewish people. But his sons knew him not. Why? Was he consumed with his job? What was he consumed with? Why did his children not know the Lord? It is one of my biggest things with being a father, you know, my and a, and a mother. Our biggest prayer is that our kids come to know the Lord in their own time. This is an inherited faith. It's not your mom or dad's faith. That's hear Joel Osteen, he says that. He's like, well, my daddy, daddy's faith, daddy, daddy. No. You got to come to your own salvation. I'm not going to beat this horse because you guys know it. We preach it at camp every single year. It's a, so you have to come to Christ's saving grace on your own on your own terms. But what happened with Eli? He said his sons knew him not and knew not the Lord. So you got to watch it in this position. You got to take care of your own family too. It's a lot of responsibility. Pastors are often very open and vulnerable by being upfront and honest with people while leading by example. This can make him an easy target. And um, it references Romans 7, 14 uh, through 25. And uh, you guys can look that up on your own. But um, it talks about it's basically the, str- it's the struggle between the flesh and the spirit. And it's a struggle between the flesh and the spirit because pastors are men. They're not perfect. And when they put a lot out there, they do become an easy target. And pastors, like any leader for God, must guard their ego and pride. That is probably one of the biggest aspects of this position. You can blow you up. They must always remember the source of their giftedness, lest they fall into condemnation. And referencing Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28, 1 Timothy 3, 6. We've already covered that. You can go back through and look at your... Look at that. So... Talking about these pastors that get outside of preaching, and I mean, it talks, our Bibles talk about, God talks about we're supposed to tithe what? 10%? Or be sacrificial with it? So, one of these pastors I was listening to, he, uh, he talked about he's, he's doing conferences. He's like, I want to get to a point where I don't have to, we don't have to ask our church for any money. So, I don't want to have to ask our congregation for any money. He wants to basically tell his church, you don't have to tithe anymore because he's going to do conferences and he's going to do this and do that. He's going to do exactly what the world's doing, running his church in a corporate mindset and bring in revenue streams from other places. That's wrong. That's flat out wrong. What's the lo- what's the, what is the love of money? What? Exactly. So you're going to say, you got a pastor standing there, hey, keep your money. That takes, away from what you're, that takes away from what you're supposed to do. That's part of your heart attitude. We're supposed to tie that. And he's going to sit there and tell his people, nope, we got it covered. I got it covered. I'm going to do conferences. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. You see what I'm saying? That's a dangerous spot as a pastor to be in. But he's got the good thing in mind to keep... You know, I don't want our people to tithe. They can keep their money. Use it for other things for the Lord. What? You're in charge of the local church, and it's your responsibility to be a wise steward of those funds. It's also your responsibility to let people know that their hearts need checked when it comes to their own personal finances and to tithe. That's just one example. I could go on about other examples and false teachings and so on and so forth, but to me, when I heard that, I was like, wow. 
I was like, that's crazy. So Acts 20, 20 to 28, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and all to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. Filthy lucre, money and personal gain is a dangerous temptation for pastors. And again, we covered this in 1 Peter 5, 2 and in Titus 1, 7. There's a lot of warning with that. It's easy for... Um, I was on the counting team for a, lo- for a long time. So I have a very good understanding of how much money comes into this church every single week. And it's, it's rather impressive. And it would be easy for a pastor to look at those finances and look at those deposits and be like, hmm, how much of this does the church really need? And it happens in other churches. But our church is very open with its finances. We have financial meetings. There's a treasurer's meeting that I think happens annually or biannually that you can attend or not. Most people don't go to it. But I can safely say, after being on the counting team, that our church does properly use our funds for the work of the Lord. That's a great piece to know. There's no question about that. You don't have to question how the funds that are used here go. God values those desiring this gift and may even gift them accordingly in 1 Corinthians 14.12 and again in 1 Timothy 3.1. 1 Corinthians 14.12 says, Even so ye, for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek, seek that ye may excel to the edifying of the church. So use this gift to edify the church. So there's nothing wrong to having desire with this. There's nothing wrong with having this desire or this call. But there are qualifications, and I think that those need to be proven out in time with where you guys are at in this age. You guys as men, potentially being pastors, and you guys, you ladies, as potentially being pastors' wives. There's a lot to consider. There's a lot to know. And know for a fact, it is stressful. But it's a, it's a good position. I mean, I, it's one of the things I've stepped back and looked at and be like, you know, it's, uh, everything's carnal. It's all going to pass away. And it says in Ecclesiastes, what does it say? It says, vanity of vanities, all is vanity, saith the preacher. What are we going to do with our time? So to close things out, I asked some of our pastors and some of our potentials that are not in this room, I said, how did you know? I randomly hit him up. How did you know you were being called? How did you know you were being called? One of them said, I was the last to see it. Everybody around me saw it. This goes back to that prophetic aspect of seeing this in people. Everybody around me saw it, that I had this call of God on my life to do so. I was told by my pastors and those I was working with that I should be a pastor. My heart finally caught up to what seemed to be evidently true. I later realized I had been hearing that from people my entire life. That is a current pastor. I asked another one. They said, yes. It's a struggle because I do not feel worthy. This is a potential. This is a person who's not a pastor yet. But yes, they feel the call. said, it's a struggle, but I do not feel worthy. But then, is anyone really? I know there's nothing else I would rather do. 
There's nothing else I'd rather do. He wants to serve people. He wants to serve the Lord. At first, and this is another one, at first this was, it was others mentioning the idea, if you're seeing a theme here. At first it was others mentioning the idea of it. I had the idea in my heart to do it, but that, didn't, that really didn't mean much until I had others begin to tell me. Then it was proven out as I led more and more. So as they led more things and they got placed in charge of more things without the position of pastor, it became more and more evident to them. Lastly, another potential was desire. I can't imagine myself doing anything other than this. It's hard to explain the feeling, but I think I'd be miserable doing anything else. Says, I don't want to they're careful. Said, I don't, I don't, they've shown me scriptures. God's shown me scriptures that back this up. And I don't want to let it go to my head. So I press forward and I wait. So there's two types. Where did I have that note in here? I wanted to cover that. So there's two aspects to it. You can get educated and wait. I've went through JBI. My wife and I both have. I don't know if God's going to ever put that call in my heart. I don't feel it right now, to be honest. Um, you get educated and you wait. And there's other times where you know that the call's on your heart and you got to get educated. Now, do you should, should you seek a formal education when it comes to this? Yeah, I think you, need to, you, you definitely need to know your Bibles. You definitely need to know to be wise in that. So I think having you know, the secondary education with it. I don't feel like a teach at this capacity, having not went through JBI. And the first year that we were in here was my first year of JBI. It was homiletics, how to preach the Bible. That's jumping into the deep end of the pool. I had no idea. Because I even thought, I was like, man, I wonder when they're doing Sons of Thunder again. I didn't know it. I thought Sons of Thunder was some random thing. Had no clue that that was your final for, how to, for homiletics, for how to preach the Bible. And I signed up that year. And then Tom started laying out the you know, the curriculum for the year for that class. And he's like, and your final is Sons of Thunder. And I was like, oh, that's the answer to my question. And here I am. So you want to talk about being freaked out? I was freaked out. But that class taught me so much of how to be able to prep a lesson and be able to teach in here and be able to teach your guys' age group. So I think there's, there is something to be said about having certain educational levels and teaching or ultimately to be a pastor. But I think a lot of it also comes with experience. So understand this in these final closing. This office is not just about getting up and preaching a message on Sundays and you wipe your hands clean for the rest of the week. Well, did my job. I'm done. Far from it. Like I said, this job, this position, this office, it follows you anywhere and everywhere you go. Skift is not about being in the spotlight. And taking the praises of men and delegating tasks off to other people, as I had mentioned, that's probably one of the biggest things with this position is spotlight. People want to be, they want to be the man. They want to be the man up front. Look at me. Look at what I'm doing. Look at what I'm preaching on. Look at what I'm talking about. Me, 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 and me. And there I've, I've seen that from people in our church at times. Now I will safely say that I don't think they're here anymore. They got weeded out. But they walk through the door. They walk through the door and they have big intentions. They got their eye on the prize. They think they're something. Not humble-hearted. Not humble-hearted at all. 
They want, they want the glory. They want the glory that's God's. Think about that. That's the best way to put it. A lot of people like that spotlight that this position has, the lucre that comes with it, the attention. They don't see the stress. They don't see the hours involved. They don't understand the flesh fighting, the emotional restraint, the creativity that it takes to be in this position. That's a lot of where the help me comes in as well. You ladies are really creative with a lot of stuff oftentimes. We need that. I'm not a very creative individual. Just not. I need that help. I need that help for being in this ministry. Administration of this office is a job of itself. And this is to be taken with the utmost of seriousness. Again, this is a legit position. It's a legit gift. It's not for everybody as we've seen what the Bible says. But it's a good work. It's a rewarding work and you get a crown out of it that nobody else gets. Not that it's about that because I don't look at those. I don't think about the crowns that you get in heaven for doing the work of the Lord. It's not on my radar. It just is what it is. That's the gift of, of pastors.